Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. Our topic today is how to study biblical prophecy. Luke 21 Radio is about biblical prophecy. The name of our show comes from St. Luke chapter 21 that contains Jesus's prophetic teaching. And so we are going to be launching our studies in biblical prophecy with St. Paul's two epistles to the Thessalonians. But first, let's open with a brief word of prayer. Lord, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of thy word. Amen. Why are we launching Luke 21 Radio with a study of the two Thessalonian epistles? Well, to begin with, there are eight short chapters that will take you about 10 minutes to read, and these eight chapters are probably the most compact section of Scripture that contains an abundance of prophetic subjects. In fact, if you go to our Luke 21 Radio Facebook post, you're going to see 24 questions that we're going to try to answer in the course of our study in First and Second Thessalonians. So take a look at that list on Facebook at Luke 21 Radio post, and I think you'll be amazed of all the different prophetic topics that are covered and that we hope to cover in this series. I want to begin, though, with an ecumenical note. There are many Protestants who substantially agree with the Catholic understanding of biblical prophecy, especially those Protestant folks who are admirers and students of St. Augustine. Uh, Unfortunately, these people are not on the airwaves nearly as much as the uh, rapture-at-any-moment televangelists. So I mention this just to be careful about starting a prophecy debate with a Protestant friend or family member before you discover their prophetic view. You might be surprised to find at least some of your friends and family members who are not Catholics may share a substantial portion of the understanding of biblical prophecy as you do. So just a word of caution there. Let's begin with how to study biblical prophecy by mentioning the importance of terminology. One of my goals in this series is not simply that you would listen to me explain biblical prophecy, but I want to give you the tools so that you can begin a firsthand comprehension of what the Bible is talking about. And if you're going to do that, you need to know some basic terminology, and I'll be giving you different terms as we go through these broadcasts. And when I mention here's a term you need to know, these are pretty important. Let me give you an example. I attended a a Protestant seminary called Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary in Massachusetts. And since this was an evangelical Protestant seminary, Uh, They had something unique to Protestant seminaries that I doubt goes on in any—I know that doesn't go on in any Catholic seminary. It's this. They realized that most of the men graduating were either already married or soon to be married after graduation, 
and that their wives would be a big part of their ministry. And if the husbands were being introduced to all of this theology and Bible teaching and the wives kind of left out, there would be a certain lack of harmony in the marriage. And so what my seminary did, I think very wisely, is in the evenings, they had the theology professors come and give basic introductions to the theological concepts their husbands would be learning about. And in particular, they would be learning, you know, a handful of these important terms so that the husbands and wives could have good discussions with each other. And I know this paid off for me. I'm sure my seminary wasn't planning on it. But when it came time to converting to the Catholic faith, uh, my wife Karen and I could discuss the various topics involved, the theological topics involved in becoming Catholics. Well, the same thing is involved when studying the Bible prophecy. And here's your term for today, because this term describes studying biblical prophecy. The term is eschatology. And, you know, at first look, that word, that looks pretty foreign to me. Well, it comes straight from the Greek word eschatos, which means last or last things. So eschatology is the study of last things, of all the last things and the topics of the last things mentioned in the Bible. Now, Traditionally, Catholics have understood there are four last things, death, judgment, hell, and heaven. Really, these are categories of last things. Again, if you go to that Facebook post for Luke 21 Radio, you'll see that we have 24 topics relating to eschatology just from eight chapters of First and Second Thessalonians. So again, there's a wide dimension of understanding here, and eschatology is the study of last things. And down the road, I'm going to be making a little glossary of these terms so that you can have them handy, because knowing the terms will open up your understanding and discussions of eschatology and biblical prophecy. Also, when you turn to a book or a commentary and you see these terms, you'll understand what in the world they're talking about, and thus you can study on your own. And that's, again, part of my goal is not just for you to become dependent on me, but that you can learn how to use the various tools of Scripture study yourself. So, terms are important. I'm going to mention three keys to Bible study. These are not difficult. And I'm, I'm thinking this is going to help you a lot. Is first, is just get a good translation. I strongly recommend the Revised Standard Version, CE, the Catholic Edition. The Revised Standard Version, Catholic Edition. I won't go into all the details, but I want you to know this, and you're going to see this starting next week in a very big way. Not only the general drift of a passage or even a verse of Scripture is important, sometimes the individual words themselves are very important. Now, I'm going to be going to the original Greek and doing word studies in that. I'm not going to try to confuse you with that, but I'm going to bring it back and point out words in your English Bible. And 
sometimes a less than accurate translation is very difficult to bridge that gap between first century Greek and 21st century English. So if we're using the same English Bible, it's going to be a lot less confusing and a lot more meaning that you're going to get out of our Bible study. Number two, second key, good translation, number one. Number two, read the Bible text several times. Now, I mentioned it only takes 10 minutes to read First and Second Thessalonians, which we're going to start studying next week, but you want to read that text several times because here's how it works. If you really want to advance in Bible study, you need to digest what I would call the data. In other words, you want to become very familiar with the text of the Scripture, the flow of what St. Paul is talking about in these eight chapters. It'll be my job, then, to grant you an understanding of the data that you've absorbed. But if the data is foreign to you, and I come and try to add understanding to the data you have in your mind, well, then there's nothing there to really lock into, and it's just going to be a nice lecture, and that's going to be it. So if you take the time through the course of these studies to come back over and over again and master the content of these two short epistles, I'll try to give you the understanding, and when the two are married, you're really going to have something that is literally life-changing. Now, So we want to have a good translation, number one. Number two, we want to read the Bible text several times. But before I get to number three, I want to mention two wrong ways to study biblical prophecy. The first wrong way is to beeline for those juicy prophetic passages of Scripture. Now, if you want to study First and Second Thessalonians the wrong way, here's exactly what you need to do. You head without stopping at chapter 1, 2, or 3 to chapter 4, and you drop down to verses 16 and 17, because those are the big, quote, rapture, unquote, verses that the rapture at any moment, folks, make such a big deal about. The big question about the rapture is right there in verse 17 of chapter 4. So, if you want to study the Bible and Bible prophecy the wrong way, just head right for the juicy passages. In fact, if you really want to study the Bible the wrong way, just start with the book of Revelation and forget the rest of the context of Scripture, and you're sure to come up with something other than what St. John wrote about in the book of Revelation. You really want the context, because without the context, you're going to end up with confusion. And how do I know this? Because I've done it. As I mentioned, I've been through the various understandings of biblical prophecy, not just reading about them. I've lived through them. I've adopted them and, so to speak, grew out of them. So if you want confusion, just head right for 1 Thessalonians 4.17, head right to the one key rapture verse of the entire Bible, and you'll end up confused. I guarantee it because I've done it myself. The second wrong way is to start with the newspaper. In other words, you'll you'll tune in to rapture at any moment prophetic uh, TV shows, and they'll be having a newspaper clip and then take the newspaper clip and go to an individual verse, uh, prophetic verse, out of context, and you're sure to end up with something far and away from what St. Paul intended, okay? So, 
the wrong way, heading for the juicy prophetic verses or passages without wider biblical context. The second wrong way is to start with current events and then try to force that into the Bible's understanding. Really what you want to do, and this is your third key method for studying biblical prophecy, is that you want to start with historical context. Next week, we're going to start with the city of Thessalonica, what it it was like, and its region, Macedonia. And you may think, oh, that doesn't sound that interesting. I'd rather have that juicy stuff, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. But let me tell you something. We're going to do historical context. We're even going to do individual word studies of historical context of a word simply like gospel. What did the word gospel mean to a first century Jewish person? And secondly, what did the word gospel mean to a Gentile in the Roman Empire? If we take the time to do the historical context, the wider context, as well as the linguistic context, what do the words mean in their original setting? You know what's going to happen then? You are going to have a solid understanding of 1 Thessalonians 4.17. Your understanding of the rapture verse in 1 Thessalonians 4.17 will be no more difficult than opening up a Gmail account. I think I can guarantee that. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode number three of Luke 21 Radio. And I'm going to be closing a lot of this broadcast with a prayer. In fact, it was the last Eucharistic prayer prayed at Mass in the early church. We find this from a book called the Didache. It's simply this, Maranatha, our Lord, come. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.